0: Judges chapter 7 tonight. Judges chapter 7. So there's three chapters with um, that have to do with uh, Gideon, and we kind of covered the introduction last week, and we are finishing it up, Lord willing, this week. So let's go before the Lord once more, and we'll start in Judges chapter 7. Father, again, Lord, we ask now as we give attention to your word, Lord, that you would open up our hearts in our minds, Lord, it's, it's not just a, a intellectual, uh, uh, we're learning something, or like we sit in school and we learn about this or about that. It's, it's not just about that, it's, it's spiritual, and you feed us spiritually, Lord, and it has to do with our spirit. Um, our physical body is up, down, and here, there, hungry, tired, o- awake, uh, uh, you know, frail feels strong at everywhere in between all of that father lord what uh what we need desperately is not more sleep or more food or less food or more exercise but to be fed by your spirit lord and uh we'll be the healthiest so to speak that there possibly could be so we now we ask lord that you would move by your spirit in our midst for we ask this in jesus name amen so who remembers for extra credit we say it, it was Judges, the book is called Judges, but really what's the better translation of the word Judges? Anybody remember? Heroes. heroes. That's a great way of, so you can say instead the book of Judges, you can say it, the book of Heroes, it's the book of uh, Redeemers, but really Heroes, uh, Rescuers, um, delivers um you know so much is made these days about marvel and the superheroes or the dc or any other comics and you have superheroes you know guys that have laser beam eyes or uh you know incredible strength or resilience or stretchability or they can fly or they can uh i don't know i'm just trying to think of all their little attributes that those guys have um they have nice hair. I don't know. What's a good attribute? Oh. Think of it. Superhero. They can scale tall buildings. What? They can regenerate? Regenerate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they can uh heal themselves. Yeah. That's kinda of that's kind of the same thing, kinda of, I think, huh? Right? So but uh now you have to think about these people, these heroes, these superheroes maybe if you wanna even say that, these were people just like us. And we've been learning about them, and we've been going through the cycle of how they, they, they're serving God, then they kind of just start doing their own thing, and then they start getting involved in their own thing, they kind of leave the Lord, they start going after other things, it gets them into trouble pretty soon, they find themselves just like totally a slave to whatever they gave them lives over to, going back again, they, they can't take it anymore, they turn to God, God sends a, a deliverer, or a judge, or a hero, and they turn to God, repent, and He delivers them, and they're on that that cycle, it's a kind of a terrible cycle that they find themselves on. But that's what they're doing. But God is faithful to save his people and rescue them. And that's, that's what he's been doing. Now, we talked about last time, even as Tony said, by way of introduction, remember, it's Gideon. This is a guy that was in the wine press, and he was hiding from the Midianites. These guys were coming, and well, here's a little map, right? It gives you an idea. You know, the, the yellow is the nation of Israel, and these guys were coming from the east way over here, which would be, oh, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran today, Jordan, and down by Egypt, and they were coming, and they would come in to uh, the land about every time was around time for harvest, so, and we said last time it was like this, it's like if you worked all week, and you got paid on Friday, and you went to the bank, let's say, and, you know, you you cashed your check, and you came out with Whatever your pay was, you put it in your pocket. As soon as you got out of the bank door, there was a guy there with a gun, and he grabs your money, and that's it. All of that you work for your whole payday is totally gone. Now, how are you going to eat? How are you going to feed anybody? How are you going to take care of any bills or do anything? And imagine that happening week after week after week, year after year after year. That's what was going on for seven years. Um, I I told you the story last time We, we started a church in the Ramsey Park Rec Center, how the police were telling me, yeah, a lot of the, the field workers, you know, they get paid Friday or Saturday, and then, you know, these guys know they cash their checks, and they go and, and hold them up and steal all their money that they work for. I mean, it still kind of happens today. But these guys were doing that. So let's say, you know, your crop came in, you just harvested it, that's going to last you the rest of the year until next year when you're planting it, and they take it all. Or let's say you, you, you're, you have a little animal, it gives birth, well, they'll come and, and take it. They just took whatever they wanted. And whatever they didn't want, just to be cruel and mean, they would destroy. If they couldn't take it, they would kill it. They would burn it. They would just make it unusable. And they couldn't take it anymore. And Gideon, again, was threshing that wheat. He was hiding. But as Tony said that, you know, God called him, the angel of the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. And again, it was just the opposite. He was kind of like me and a big chicken, really, in a lot of ways. But the Lord said, hey... I can see what you're going to become, not what you are right now. What a great story that was. And remember, Gideon was a little scared. He kept saying, well, Lord, if you really want to use me, then, you know, uh, you know, l- let me give you this gift. And, and, and you know, and remember the fire came up from the rock and burned it all up. And Gideon was like, whoa, okay. Okay, I, I know this is not somebody just talking to me. This is the angel of the Lord talking to me. And remember, remember. He goes, okay, you want to use me to defeat these Midianites, these people that are coming from all over the place and gathering there? You, you, want, you, want, to use, you want to use me? Well, I'm still not quite sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. I guess I jumped ahead. I'm still not quite sure. So I'm going to take this piece of cloth or wool, and I'm going to lay it out at night. And now, Lord, I want you to, if you really want to use me, then make that wet, but the ground dry. So the dew would just hit this one piece, and everything else would be dry, which would be an incredible miracle, right? He gets up in the morning. He picks it up. The thing is soaking wet. The ground is dry. He wrings it out into a bucket. Man, he gets a bunch of water. Okay, Lord. Lord, don't get mad at me. I'm going to do it one more time. This time, I'm going to leave the the little towel out here, and I want it to be dry, but everything else soaking wet. So they throw it out there. The dew comes. um, Everything's wet. He picks up the towel, a little of cotton or fleece and man it's totally dry okay Lord I know you want me to use you and then so what he does you know calls the army and that's when we kind of pick it up in Judges chapter 7 so why don't you read along with me pull out your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 7 if you haven't already and now the Lord told them, by the way that he was going to have the victory and now we got to find out how he's going to have the victory okay so verse 1 then uh, Jerub- uh Baal, or Jerubabal, which is Gideon, remember that he got that nickname kind of last time, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of, of Herod, and so that the uh, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley, or Mora, sorry, in the valley. So again, here's a, a little, little bit of a map here. So uh, the, the yellow lines, or this is where they're kind of meeting right here. Um, he's called all those people together. So the yellow represents the people of Israel coming down. They're meeting in that yellow circle. The Midianites are in that, on the other side of the hill there, and they're kind of just meeting up there. Now you've got this group of people and, and the other group of people. Now we'll find out some interesting stuff here. Verse 2 And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself, saying, um, uh, Gain glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is uh, fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Okay, so picture this, guys. So the Lord calls Gideon, you're going to go fight these guys. Now, we'll find out in a minute. They had 135,000 soldiers. 135,000. Now, how many, and then Gideon called all all the people of Israel, and how many did he have said that showed up right there? So 22,000 plus 10,000 is, remind you math geniuses, 32,000. You have 135,000 Midianites against 32,000 Israelites. So you know, what that, you know what the advantage is? Just figure it out, you math guys, real quick. About four to one. So that means right now the way the battle line is, the way it's set, they're all right here, these, these Midianites are here, the Israelites all gathered together, there's 30... Um, 2,000 against 135,000. That's basically four to one. That means every Israelite, right now the way it is, every Israelite would have to kill four guys. Four guys. If one guy didn't, then somebody else would have to kill five, right? That's pretty tough. Four to one odds. Four to one odds, right? Yeah. So you'd have to kill four. If you're an Israelite soldier, and that's who came to Gideon. Now, what did the Lord just tell Gideon? He said... You know what? There's too many. Wait a minute, Lord. There's too many? We already got four. They have four times as many people we do. So we have to kill four. To, they're one. They kill one, you know, uh, and we have to kill four. That's four times as many people. That's, and, and there's still too many? And why did the Lord say that again? Why do you say there's too many? Because you know what? Even at four to one odds, even though they have four times as many people, if I let you win with 32,000 people, what's going to happen? You're going to go, man, I'm slick. I'm like Captain America or Hulk or I'm like uh, Thor or I'm like Superman or I'm like Batman or whatever, right? I took out a whole group of people, man. I wiped out all those guys. I did it. I'm bad to the bone or whatever, right? Wouldn't that, isn't that what they're going to say? We did it. Oh, man, we're so, we're so good. We're so smart. We're such a, you know, we're the Navy SEALs of the Israelites, man. We took out all those people. It was no big deal at all, right? And he says, if I let you win, even with four to one odds, you are going to uh, get, take all the credit. And so what does the Lord tell them to do? And just, just First of all, it tells you a little bit about the people, right? The people are, you know, they're so quick to move God out of their lives and out of the equation. They're so quick to do that, that the Lord knows them. You know, they're so quick to take glory and credit rather than giving it to the Lord and realizing it's him. And the Lord says, I'm just not going to do it. Now, um, now you, you know, it's, it's, they haven't really changed a whole lot. You think about it today, right? If you ask them about the 67 war, where all the Arab nations were kind of coming against Israel, or the even the 48 war, or the 73 war, you know, they'll tell you, um, I just watched a special about the spy that, that Israel had in um, in Syria, in Damascus, when they, were, when they had the Golan Heights up there and they had all their secret gun emplacements, they were going to, you know, attack Israel, they had a spy in, in the highest form of government. And they did a whole special on the guy because it's his anniversary of 30 years dead or something. He got caught and killed eventually. But they were just saying, yeah, how good we are at our spying and the Mossad is really good. You know, that's their CIA. And they're so awesome. And, you know, they kind of do that a little bit today. Of course, everybody else does it. It's not just them, but they're kind of the same way. And you can see how uh, people are that way with their ego and their pride. He says, it's going to go to your head. So what does God tell... How does he want to sort them out now? You have how many? 32,000 people. And the Lord says, you have too many. So this is how I want you to do. I want you to lower that number down. And what does he tell them to do? Ask anybody, hey, are you afraid? I mean, are you fearful going to battle? And if you say yes... Jack, hit the road, you're out of there, right? You go, you take off and go. And how many does it say that left? What, what verse? Uh, what verse? Number, check, end of verse 2. <clears throat> 22,000. Now here's Gideon, right? He's probably thinking, first of all, I got four to one odds, well, maybe we can kind of get by if we're really good or something. But now, 22,000 out of your 32,000 have just taken off. Because why? They're afraid. Well, at four to one odds, wouldn't you be afraid? I'd be afraid. I would be afraid. But now all of a sudden, he goes, okay, let let everybody who's afraid go. Now, why did the Lord sort them out that way? Well, I think, again, um, you know, the Lord wants those that are willing to walk in faith and trust him. You know, if you, uh, you know, are fearful and you want all these kind of things, you know, it's, uh, as I said millions of times, you guys, well, maybe not millions, but I've said it a lot of times, fear is the biggest faith killer if you have fear if i have fear if we're afraid that kills our faith and and man we can't trust god oh i don't know if that's going to work out well lord i you know i know you're leading me here but i don't know how it's going to work out and i have to trust you and i don't think people are going to like it and i people might make fun of me and you know i go to church on wednesday night and they already think i'm a weirdo and if i start talking to them about the bible they're going to really think i'm some kind of nutcase and you know, I'm just worried what they're going to think, and so I'm not going to say anything, you know, and we get fear. And then our faith gets gets squashed. And, and, and again, the Lord, it's difficult using people that are afraid. Uh, again, they could give up at a moment's notice. Uh, fearful, and when you get fearful, you tend to discourage every, everybody else too, don't you? Oh, oh yeah, and they, you become the big negative and the big bummer. Oh, man, oh, you're going to do it and all this kind of stuff. no. And so, again, it's, it's very infectious. And the Lord says, listen, if you're afraid, go ahead and take off. And uh, who's going to stay? Who's going to trust me to do great things? I guess you have to ask yourself that question. I've got to ask myself that question. Do we trust the Lord enough where we're going to stick by no matter what anything else is going on or what other people say or what other people think or what we think might happen? Or are we going to trust the Lord? And again, he wants to do great things in and through our lives, but it always comes down to faith. Do we trust him? Do you trust him? Or do you have to do things your way and see things your way and make him explain everything to you and come up with these endless questions? And The Lord said, listen, if you're afraid, just go. So now what are the odds? 135,000. We'll see the number, by the way, in chapter 8. It'll give us the number. It doesn't give it to us yet. Against? 10,000. Which is? At 13 and a half, right? So let's just round it up uh, for argument's sake. So 14 to 1. Every person right now at 10,000 people would have to take out 14. 14 people. Now that would even be tough for Captain America. Maybe not, I don't know. Not so much. Maybe the Hulk, maybe Black Panther, maybe they'd be tough for him. It would have to be 10,000 Captain America right? I mean, it would be pretty tough, right? It would be pretty tough. But now the Lord says, listen, I'm going to let those who are afraid, who just don't really have the faith and the trust, let them go. Now the odds, let's say, roughly are four to one. And let's read verse four. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them, uh, there for, uh, test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, uh, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, uh, putting their hand uh, to their mouth was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And then the Lord said to Gideon, By 300 men who lapped, uh, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now, again, put yourself back in Gideon. The Lord wants to winnow it down. Now, if you're a Gideon, what were you thinking? They got 32,000 guys. Okay, Lord, it's too many for it to win. I mean, what would you think the Lord would just bring it down to from 32? Oh, maybe knock off a couple thousand, maybe bring it to 30, maybe bring it to 25. But I'm sure you want us to at least have 25,000. And and then 22,000 take off. He's got 10,000 left. The Lord says that's at about 14 to 1. That's way too many. I'm going to bring it down a little bit more. So this is how I want you to do it. There's, there's a stream and I've been there, uh, there's a big rock and, and there's a natural spring that comes between this rock, comes out and it flows down into a little river, it still flows there today, it's still, the water's there, you can't drink it though, they told us it's got um, that bacteria, salmonella in the water, so don't want to drink that. Uh, not anymore, it was back in the day, it was 3,000 years ago, pretty clean, not anymore, so, but in that day, it was clean spring. So he said, hey, guys, let's go get a drink. So he sets the 10,000 guys and just lets them drink. Now, what does he tell us? Some of the people drank, you know, here's maybe a little picture. Some people just, hey, I'm going down there to drink. I'm going to stick my head down in the water and drink, right? Others took a scoop of water and brought it and, and drank like this. And then the Lord says, listen, I want you to separate them. Hold on a second. So they're, yeah, I know it sounds like lap like a dog, but the idea is you're brought up to your mouth. Yes? But what about the people downstream? Are they going to get a mouthful of saliva? <laughs> <Backwash>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's why I have, usually don't answer your questions. But anyway, so they, so they come down, right? There's 10,000 people. They're getting a drink. Most people just stick their head down like those guys and drink water. There's 300 people that, that bring their mouth up. Now, I read the whole passage, but if you're a Gideon, And you're saying, okay, the Lord's going to sort them out again. Oh, okay, I see what he's doing, because there's just two kinds of people. There's people sticking their face down in the water and drinking, and there's a few people that are bringing it up to their mouth. So, okay, Lord, so you're going to whittle the 10. I don't know, if I was Gideon, I'd probably think, okay, there's 10,000, so there looks like a few hundred that are bringing it up. So, okay, you're going to get rid of 300, so we'll be down to 9,700. I mean, that's what I would have thought if I was Gideon watching all this go down. But wait, the Lord says, no, 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 you got it all wrong there, Gideon. I, I want you to keep the 300 who brought the water to their mouth and send the other 9,700 home. Now, why did God divide the people like this? Why did he divide the ones that stick their mouth into the water compared to the ones that brought the water up to their mouth? The Bible doesn't tell us. Some people um, make big distinctions about this, but, you know, I just... think you're kind of making a big distinction. And that's fine with me, but the Bible doesn't really tell us here. Some say they were, you know, better soldiers because they were on their, uh, you know, he's got the best soldiers because they're, you know, they know battle's coming and so they're going to keep their head up. You know, if you have your head in the water, well, you can't see much what's going on. And so maybe they make an issue that way. And maybe that's true. I I don't know. I, I like to think it's this way. The 300 guys were like me. They had bad knees or bad backs, and they couldn't get down on their knees or couldn't bend over with their backs, so they kind of had to reach their water down. <laughs> and they, you know they were kind of the old guys, if you would, with weak knees and bad backs or older people that just couldn't bend down to get into the water. I don't know, that could be true, too. That, that's the kind of the way I look at it. But the Lord said, "Listen, those are the people that I want you to take into battle." So now what are the odds? 300 against 135,000. That's about 450 to 1. You have to kill 450 people to every one. Now, are we, ta- are we starting to get out of range of Superman yet? Not yet, uh, maybe not. How about, how about uh, don't you think Black Panther would be getting tired about now? Or, uh, yeah, whatever. Batman would be getting tired at 450 people. Yeah. And then everybody's got to do it. You couldn't get tired. So what kind of odds are those? What's the Lord saying? They're impossible odds. Nobody can do that, right? He's saying, I want you to now and trust me and walk with me and watch me do this work. So if you're one of the 300 guys, okay, guys, 9,700, we'll see what they'll do in a little bit. All right, guys, got to take off. So if you're one of the 300 guys, what would you be doing? Get our swords sharpened. Let's get our arrows. Man, if I got to take out a 450 people, that means I should have at least 100 arrows with me, right? Or 200 arrows. I got to make sure my sword's sharp so it doesn't get dull. I got to make sure my arm. I mean, what would you be doing if you're one of those 300 guys? Well, let's see how they prepare for battle. Verse um, 8. Read it with me. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he went away. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of the Midianite was below him in the valley. So what did they take? Their provisions, which means they took some food. And then what else it took? Some trumpets. I didn't hear me say about arrows or swords or, you know, shields or anything. They got food and trumpets. Have ever tried to fight a war with a trumpet? Thomas, yeah. you, were in the, you were in the army. Did you use a trumpet? You get 88 millimeter. What were you shooting off? <laughs> 81 millimeter mortar. <laughs> right? No, no, no. Trumpet, uh, that's what they wake us up with. That's not what we fight with, right? But that's what he tells them to do. Now, again, it, it's hard to imagine how Gideon was feeling about now. Right? How do you think Gideon was feeling about now? I got 300 guys, I don't have any weapons. I just have trumpets, and we'll find out what else he gets here in a minute, and that's about it. Now, uh, again, how would you be feeling if you're Gideon? I got 300 guys, and maybe I got the the lamest guys. Maybe some people would say the best guys. I kind of think they're the lamest guys. They couldn't get down. Their knees were bad. They couldn't bend over and all this kind of stuff. How am I going to win this? Well, this is what the the Lord said to him. Read read verse 9. Imagine how he's feeling. I think that's why the Lord says this in verse 9. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. Verse 11. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So we get a little bit more here, right? First of all, remember the the Midianites were down in in this valley. So they were kind of all camped out in this valley. Can you imagine a big valley like, I don't know, looking up at Mount Madonna and you're kind of looking down maybe at, you know, down at Watsonville here. And you could see, you know how you can see down on a clear morning if you go up Mount Madonna 152 and you look down and you can see the the hoops for the berries and all that kind of stuff and you see the rows out there. And they could look down and see, Gideon could see all them camped out there. They're hanging out there, they're camping out there. And, and again, we get a little bit more because the Lord said, listen, okay, listen, I've already delivered him into your hand. Are you afraid? And if you're afraid, go, go sneak up to the camp. Take your buddy, take Puro, your, your servant, go down there and go down there to the camp and listen up. And then you'll be strengthened. Let's see what happens when he goes down there. So what do you think? If you're a Gideon, would you go down there? Yeah. I would too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd head down there. And this is what happens. Then he went down with Purah to his servant, to an outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. So these are like the guards on the outside, right? The armed men that are kind of watching over the whole camp there. Verse 12. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And uh, their camels were without number, Uh As the sand of the seashore in multitude. So, in other words, when you look down, all you could see were tents and people and camels, and you just, as far as the eye could see from this way, as far as the eye could see from this way. And that Gideon has how many people? 300. How many swords? Zippo. How many spears? Zero. How many arrows? None. How many bows? None. Right? And he's going down there. It's all he can see. And it says, verse uh, 13, and Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, So now they kinda of creep up. I kinda of get the idea, they're kind of sneaking up probably behind a rock or a tree. And and here's the guards, right? And the guards are just talking, and so they just sit there and listen. And so this is what they say. And Gideon, uh, when he had come, there was a man telling his companion his dream, and he said, I had I have a, I have had a dream. To my surprise a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian And it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell down and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel, into the hands God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And it was so, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. He's got 300 guys, zero weapons. The Lord says, I'm giving you these people. They're as far as the eye can see. There's 135,000 warriors among that. They got camels. They got... You know, again, think of a camel as like a, a, a tank today. I mean, it's an amazing thing. You know, it, it could run fast. By the way, this is the first time that uh, the Bible mentions a camel being used in warfare uh, for what it's worth there. But they had great speed and mobility on the battlefield. Have you ever, guys, anybody ever ridden a camel before? Really tall, right? Yeah, Ethan has. I remember that. Yeah, they're really tall. And Anastasia did when you were little. Yeah. You guys, I don't know if you did when you were little, but you sit up high. Oh, yeah, we did it when we were back in Kentucky. I knew that too. But, so anyway, yeah, they had camels. And so, man, those things can run like up 40 miles an hour. And those things, can you imagine how the advantage you have? Almost anybody couldn't hardly reach you. And these guys had tons of those everywhere. So that's one of the better battle things, weapons on the field of the day. And, and he says, yeah, so, yeah, I had a dream. Well, yeah, what was your dream? Well, I, I had this dream that a bagel came rolling down the hill and hit a tent. Now, don't think of it as a, a big five tent you know one of those nylon ones that you know you get a big five for 25 bucks or something like that you can spend the night in the backyard and i mean these tents were heavy and big they lived in them they traveled around and this is a big heavy tent think of like this massive tent and it's like this bagel came rolling down and hit it and knocked it over and the guy said yeah you know what that means that means god has delivered us into gideon's hand he's gonna win can you imagine that I mean, you get the idea of the soldiers kind of talking down there, talking to themselves. Now, can you imagine being Gideon, sitting with his buddy there, hearing this? They know that I'm here? And they had a dream, and the guy told them the dream. You know what the dream means? That he's going to clean our clock. He's going to win. And and again, um, just think about that. God was controlling the dreams of the enemy and giving them the interpretation so that he could encourage Gideon. I don't know about you, but this is the way I think sometimes. You know, when we have an, a problem, just think of a problem that you have going on right now. Something going on, an issue with this, some, some deal, something you're dealing with. And, and then how do we usually think? Well, Lord, I want you to help me through this or give me this or Lord, do this or something like that. But it usually revolves around either helping us or healing us or giving me this or taking care of this, and we always forget that, I don't say we always forget, but we can forget that, you know, the Lord Lord is working on both sides. He's working, you know, those things that revolve around me that I can see, but, you know, if it's dealing with another person or a situation, he's working in that situation as well. And, And we need to remember that. He's working on both sides, just like here. He's even moving in the dreams of the people that want to come in and kill these guys, the Midianites, and telling them, Hey, look, I'm going to give Gideon victory over you. And when Gideon heard this, you know what he did? What does it say? He worshiped the Lord. Did you ever do that before? Like you just see the Lord doing some great work and you're just blown away. You just can't even think. It's like, wow, Lord, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe that is going on. I can't believe that you are working all this out getting it all taken care of, and here I am, and man, Lord, you're working it all out. And so, you know, I want you to be encouraged that he is doing that. And as soon as Gideon saw that, what was the first thing Gideon did? Let's get back up to camp. We're ready to go. Let's rock and roll this thing. We're going to go. Now, again, how many against how many? 300 against 135,000. Now, Gideon's got this insight, but I have to give credit to the other uh, 299 or 300 guys, right? I mean, they, are, they haven't heard any of the stuff that Gideon has, and, and yet they trust that the Lord is working through Gideon. I mean, they, they could have left. You know, these guys had a lot of faith. I give them a lot of credit. I think it's pretty awesome. And, and uh, you know, they—they okay, let's go. All right, I'm ready. All right, how are they going to beat? 450 to 1. How are they going to win? Let's read verse 16. Then then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers, and said to them, look at me and do likewise, watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And when I blow the trumpet, uh, I and all who are with me, then you will blow the trumpet on every side of the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So here's the battle plan. You got this, you know, rag or something, something cloth probably dipped in something. It's kind of barely lit. You have it on the edge of a stick and you have a sword in your right hand. I mean, you have a trumpet in your right hand. No sword. You have a trumpet. You have this pot with this stick In there like that, and you're to walk. And I'm dividing you into three groups of 100. And what you guys do, I'll go over here, you go over there, you go over there, and then you guys spread out and go around to the edge of the camp. Right? Here's this whole strategy, right? Three groups, 100 people. you got a stick with a cloth on the end for a torch, uh, make it a lamp, and a trumpet. Zippo weapons, by the way. Not one weapon is found. And so you put that pitcher in there, and then when I call out, I put that stick in there and that pitcher so it, the light can't shine out, that's the idea, right? You guys got the idea there. And then when I tell you to, and you hear the sword and you hear the trumpet blow, you break, you blow, the tru- blow your trumpet, you're going to break that pitcher, and the light's going to come forth, and you're going to shout, right? Just simply. God's going to give us the victory, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord. Because there was no other sword there, <laughs> there was no sword strapped on their side. How are you going to beat one hundred and thirty-five thousand men that want to kill you without a weapon? The Lord Almighty. You're not. That's exactly right. You are not. That is the Lord's work, and it's going to be the Lord's work. And again, uh, you know. Uh, so let's find out what happened. Here's the battle strategy. Let's find out what happened. Uh, verse 9 or verse 20. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. So you know, like 10 o'clock or something like that, maybe uh, when everybody's kind of snoozing. Just as they had posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands, then the three hundred, uh, the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers. And they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel, uh, 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 Mahadoah, and Tabith. And then the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh and pursued the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come against the Midianites and seize them from the watering places as far as Beth, Barah, and the Jordan. And the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Beth-barah and the uh, of the Jordan, and they captured two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they uh, killed at the winepress of Zeb. So that means they probably found him at this rock, and that's where he died, so they called it the rock of Oreb and the winepress of Zeb. That's where they caught him. And, Midianite, and they uh, pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. So what happened here again? They go down there without a weapon. They're surrounded the camp. They blow the trumpet, they break the pitcher, the light comes out, the sound moves, and everybody's asleep. They wake up, they, hear the, they see the light, they hear the trumpets, They grab their swords, and what do they start doing? Hacking each other. <laughs> they're attacking each other. You know, they can't see. they're like, oh, there's people coming. who's that guy? I don't know who that guy is." And these guys just start whacking each other. And we'll find out here in a little bit that 120 of them just kill each other. What is Gideon doing? What's the other 300 guys doing? They're playing their Xbox. They're on their phone playing a game, right? They're just sitting there going, "Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a bad one, <laughs> you know, or whatever, nothing. They're watching the Lord do this great work. They're just sitting there doing this. And at that point, 120,000 of them just fall. 450 to 1, all of a sudden, just washes away just like that. And again, and again, yeah, and, and again uh, so, so they, they're just doing that, watching the Lord work. And here's our back to our little map here again. So this is where the battle was. And then these guys take off, and, and they're heading down here. And so Gideon calls all these other tribes to come back now. The guys from Ephraim, they come down here. They catch that orb and Zeb down here. And Gideon's in hot pursuit. He's heading out this way right now, heading out towards the desert. And, um, you you know, he's going after those guys. And, uh, you know, he's not giving up. Now, again, we don't even know what Gideon had for weapons, but he still has got 300 guys with him. That's about it. Now, some of them that dispersed the Ephraimites are getting, but Gideon's not done yet. And let's read Judges chapter 8 and find out what happens next. And the men of Ephraim said, Why have you done, uh, uh, why have you done this to us? And not calling us when you went out to fight with the Midianites. And they reprimanded him sharply. So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Uh, is not the gleaning and grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abazur? Uh, I'm sorry, Abiz. Uh, Abzer, thank you, and God has delivered them into your hands, the Prince of Midian orb and zeb, and what was I able to do in comparison with you Then their anger toward them subdued when he said that so here's the here's the story again guys so you, you got these guys will come out now and they want to help, and then they all of a sudden they get they kept the two. Two of the, you know, head dudes there that are running this whole hundred and thirty-five thousand plus people, and, and they catch them and then all of a sudden they're like, and, and all of a sudden they're like, well, how come you didn't call us out earlier? We would have helped. We want some credit. You know what they're basically saying here is they wanted some credit. They wanted to be part of that. They wanted to get some of the glory for this great victory, and they're getting mad at Gideon for not being able to have part of that. Now, doesn't that tell you something about what God said earlier? Hey, I can't give you too many men, because if I give you too many, you're going to want and claim the victory for yourself. That's exactly what these guys were doing. They wanted to have some of that, you know? And, again, you know, he handled it very humbly. He was very diplomatic. He goes, I just shone the light and blew some trumpets, but you guys caught the princes, so you should be happy with that. That's, you know, should... We, wow, what's going on with that? You know, you should be happy with that. Why aren't you guys happy with that? But again, you can see the heart of the people was, well, we want the glory. No, we want to get in the newspaper. We want to, you know, be part of it. We want to show that, you know, we're important too. They couldn't just be incredibly happy because remember, they, they were tortured for years of not having a thing to their name. Again, it's like getting paid on Friday and you walk out of the bank and somebody robs you every week after week and you have nothing. They couldn't be happy that the Lord was taking care of them and got rid of the Midianites, finally. woohoo! let's celebrate. No, ah, how come we don't get some of the credit here? So it just tells you kind of the heart of people, even though God's doing a great work, and all of a sudden they're complaining about it. and As a matter of fact, they're jealous of it. It's kind of sad when that happens, but that's kind of the heart of people, isn't it? Well, let's read on what happens next. So, when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him uh, had crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. So, these guys have been chasing down. Look at our map again. So, they chased him from that yellow circle, they're all the way down the valley. Now they're going across the Jordan, which is kind of, this is the Jordan Valley because you're the mountains and here's the valley. They're crossing here. They're, they're heading over to Succoth here, and, and, and they're tired. I mean, they're worn out. And then he said, and, um, verse 5, Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give us loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted. And I'm pursuing Zeb and uh, Zanzuman of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, are the heads, are, I'm sorry, are the hands of Zebah and Zenzuman now in your hand that we should give you bread to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zebah and Zuman into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. In other words, I'll give right, you a little drag through the cactus patch when the Lord gives me a victory here. Ouch, huh? Get the point? Sorry. Then he went up from there to Peniel and spoke with them the same way. And the men of Peniel answered and said, uh, to, as the men of Sukkoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Peniel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. So check this out now. Listen to this. So the Israelites are chasing these guys. There's oh, about 10,000 or so or maybe a little bit more um, left, maybe 15,000 left. And they're chasing them. They're tired. We're going to find out they're not going to come upon them until the next night. So 24 hours they've been chasing these guys. They're hungry. They're tired. So they go to their brothers now. I mean, these are people of Israel, right? These are two towns that are, 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 are part of the Israelite. They're a family, if you would. And they hey, can you just give us something? We're chasing these guys. Well, you haven't caught them. We're not going to give you anything. See, see they were worried about if Gideon loses that that might come back on them. Wow, you gave them supplies when they were chasing us? And so what do they do? They said, forget it. We're not going to take that risk. We're not going to take that risk that you don't catch them and they come back here and get after us. It, again, human nature doesn't change a whole lot. Same way with us. It's, it's kind of sad when the Lord wants to do a great work and people just don't want to take the time to help out or to be a part because all oh, their schedule's so busy, or it gets them out of their comfort zone or something, or they don't want to help with resources in some other way, you know, um, lest they lose something. Oh, it'll cost me too much. Oh, it'll take me too much time. It'll cause all these hardships and get me out of this little comfort zone and all this kind of, you know, God wants to do a great work, and, and they, it just seemed like they just don't want to move because they're afraid they'll lose something or they won't be able to do things that they want to do. Or, you know, it's kind of sad that, even in the Christian community, sometimes it can be that way it's just the few that want to step out and be a part and help and and be involved and and are willing to say yes, Lord, whatever you want to do and uh, you know these guys just wouldn't even help out at all not at all and and, and Gideon's not really happy with them <laughs> as as you can well hear here he 's not happy with those guys well let 's see what happens here in verse 10, uh, verse ten then zeba and Zuman uh we, um we were at uh Karkir, and their armies with them, about fifteen thousand all of who left all whom were left of the army of the people of the east for one hundred and twenty thousand men who drew the sword had fallen. Then Gideon went up the road of uh those who dwelt in the tents the east of uh no uh, sorry have my glasses starting to read Nob, and uh, the other town right there, and he attacked. The Army while the uh, the camp felt secure, and when uh, Zebab and Zuman fled, he pursued them and took up the two um, kings of Midian, of Midian Zima and Zuman, and he routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle from the ascent of hers so Gideon, now with three hundred guys. They follow him, and these kings probably thought, man, there's just no way he's, he's going to catch us now. You know, we're way out of range. Uh, you know, we kind of set up camp. We don't have to worry about anybody hurting us or doing anything, you know. And so they're way over here, and so they set up camp. And, you know, you got to give it to Gideon. He's, he, Lord, you've given me victory. I'm going to pursue them all the way there. And that's what he does. These 300 guys took out the last 15,000. And 300 guys did that. And he got to the point where, again, he, 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 this was a surprise attack now because they thought they were safe and that two kings take off running and eventually they head over here and, 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 of course, Gideon catches them all and he has them here. And then let's read on what happens. And he caught, the young men, uh, caught a young man, uh, uh, so he starts heading back now, Gideon, of Sukkoth and interrogated him. He wrote down for him, the leaders of Sukkoth, and his elders, seventy-seven men. And then he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zuman, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zuman now in your hand, that you should give bread to your, uh, to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars with them, and he taught the men uh, of Sukoth. And he tore down the tower of Peniel and killed the men of the city. So Gideon keeps his word. You guys didn't help. There was going to be a price to pay. Kind of dragged him through the briar patch there. And, and remember, he said he was going to tear down a tower, and maybe some of the people and some of the leaders went into that tower, and he pulled down the tower, and that cost him everything. But again, they just didn't want to get involved. Oh, it's somebody else's job. Let somebody. Oh, somebody's going to do that. You know, uh, there was a. we were looking for a place... Um, a number of years ago, I think before we moved into Blanca, and we were looking, um, and there was a, a person that owns a lot of property on East Lake here, down there, down there, and a lot of places. And we met with this person at a restaurant, and uh, you know we were talking price, and he was coming up how much we a square foot for the building, and I was like, oh, I was looking over, Gino was with me, I said, you know, that's just a lot. He looked at me, he goes, that's just a lot. And then the guy said to me, You know, he goes, I'm a Christian. I go to you know, this church in Santa Cruz, and he named a church in Santa Cruz. And he goes, Just do what they do at my church. He said, You know, when, when the church needs something, they just say, Hey, we need some money. And he says, There's always some little old lady that'll write a check for $10,000. He goes, Just, just ask, they'll, they'll do it. <laughs> And I thought, You know, here's this guy who's probably worth millions. I mean, he owns a lot. He started telling me some of the properties he owns. And millions, millions, millions. And he was very, well, he's an attorney too. So, you know, he had a lot of money on top. And I was thinking, here you are with all this money. And even in your church, you let some little old lady, some widowed lady that might have some money. You'd rather have her write 10000 out of what, you know, she has. And, 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 you know, and you got your millions in the bank. And I thought, I was thinking to myself. That's just terrible. <laughs> you know, that's, just, that's just terrible that it's, oh, it's somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to do it. And here's this guy who had tons of resources, even if he didn't want to give us any kind of deal, which was fine it's his prerogative. But, you know, when there was a need in his own church, you know, he was basically saying there was always some little old lady they could count on to write a check for what they needed, and he didn't have to do it. And it was kind of like here. It's kind of the same thing. These guys, you know. Well, somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to take care of it. And, you know, uh, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to inconvenience ourselves. We don't want to put something at risk or, you know, give here and be short on this or whatever it might be. You know, um, it never works out. It's just not what God wants us to do. And, uh, you know, these guys weren't. Well, let's finish it up. And, and he says to them, now he's got these two kings and Ziba and Zuman. And what kind of men... Um, And he said to them, what kind of men were they who you killed in Tabor? So he's asked these two kings, the Midian kings, hey, you killed some guys in Tabor. Who were they? He says, well, they were like you. Each one, uh, uh, you know, resembled the son of a king. And he said, you know, kind of a compliment, a little bit of flattery there. Well, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would would not kill you. And he said to Jethro, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zuman said, um, rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zuman, and took the crescent ornaments that were on the camel's necks. So he had him there, and you know, Gideon said something interesting to him. says, hey, you know what, guys, um, you, know, you, you, you killed some guys in Tabor some time ago. You, you remember them? Oh, yeah, they were like you. Yeah, well, they were my brothers. He goes, well, if you had spared them, I would spare you. But since you put them to death, obviously just killed them, then it's going to cost you that. And then he turns something interesting. He turns to his son. Now, I don't know how old he was. He was young. Maybe he was 10, 11, 12. Maybe he was your age. And he says, son, I want you to put these two kings to death. Now, that would be a huge privilege uh, Because you would be known as a person that conquered these two kings. But the boy was kind of young. And and let's say it's one thing to death by firing squad, right? You shoot a gun, it hits a bullet. But when you use a sword to put somebody to death, it's in your face and it's bloody and it's pretty violent. And the kid was probably pretty young and he said, no, uh, no, I don't know if I can do that. Which we can understand? And so the king started thinking, yeah, we don't want this kid putting us to death. I mean, imagine how many hacks it would take. <laughs> like, I don't want to die the death of a thousand stab wounds. So they kind of egg on Gideon. Eh, if you're a man, you'll do it. And so Gideon steps up, and, and he does it probably quick and fast. And I don't know, something like that. But, uh, you know, he does that. But uh, and, and so that's the end of all their heartache and trouble. And I just point out something real quick. You notice that the crescent ornaments were on these camels' neck. So, you know, the Muslims use the crescent. You know that that was long before the around long before Muhammad made that the symbol of, of the people over there. You know that that's been around for, well, thousands of years before he came along. It's in the Bible here, just for what it's worth. There, the crescent moon. The moon. Yeah, because they had all this around their neck. Okay, so let's finish up with this. Just get your thinking, and we got two more minutes, and just stay with me. So Gideon was afraid. God gave him, you know, uh, answered all these signs that he wanted and, and gave him that reassurance even to the dream down the camp. And he, he, he got the faith. He did it. He followed through even without a weapon, 135,000 against 300 people without weapons. He goes out there in faith. He even chases them all the way down until they're all gone. That's it. They're all done. And he comes back now. Uh, everything is done. And um, you think, wow, what a great accomplishment. What a great work of faith and absolutely very true but you know can i tell you some of the dangerous times aren't in the battle and when we really have to trust the lord and when things are really heated sometimes the greatest challenges in our lives are when things are going well and everything is going pretty good and there's not too many problems and everything's kind of sailing along that we can find that more of a a temptation and a trial on our faith than being in those difficult times i think that's what happens with gideon here you know, the Lord does great things, but, well, let's let's read what happens. Um, and so, verse 22, the temptation comes, and it says, um, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. So, in other words, we want you to be our king, and your son after him can be a king, and the son after him. in other words, start this dynasty, right? But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. So Gideon's right. He rejects the people of saying, no, you don't want the king. No, you need to follow the Lord and not a king, not a person. Then Gideon said, I would like to make a request of you, but there is something I'd like to have, Uh, that each of you would give me the earring from his plunder, for they had... uh, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So, like Tony and his earring back there, so the Ishmaelites were known for having gold earrings. These guys, there's nothing new under the sun, by the way. So these guys and the Midianites, they were known to have gold earrings. So Gideon says, hey, you know what? Of all the people, everybody got gold earrings because they would take everything that's valuable off their prisoners or you know the dead. Say, can you just give me the gold earrings? And so the people said, uh, yeah, of course, You know, no problem. Um, uh, they answered, uh, "Yeah, we'll gladly give it to you." So they spread out a garment, and each man threw the earrings from his plunder. So they, you know, all lined up or whatever. They had this big blanket out there. Yeah, you got earrings. Yeah, here, want the earrings? Go. They start throwing them in there as they're walking by. And now the weight of the gold earrings he had requested was hundred and seven. I'm sorry, was one thousand seven hundred shekels of gold besides the crescent ornaments pendants and the purple robes, which were on the kings of Median, and besides, um, the charms that they had around their camel's necks. So the camels even had gold on them. So he got, just from the earrings, about 50 pounds of gold. 50 pounds of gold. I don't know about you, but that's, a not, that's what, a, you know, even in today's, that would be an incredible amount of money. But back in those days, that would be well, the wealth of a king, right? That's a lot of money. Now you're getting into a dangerous place now. People want to make you king, and now you've got a lot of money. So again, a temptation might have been harder at this point than the temptation of and the fear that he had fighting the Midianites and being used of the Lord. Now he's got money and he's got respect. People love him. And Gideon made an ephod and he set it up in his city, Oprah, and that's where Winfrey's from no, I'm just kidding, and all Israel played the harlot there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted the heads uh, no more, and the country was quiet for forty years in the day of Gideon, and Drupal, uh, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house so they made this, and here's like the ephod. He made this ephod out of gold. So he took some of that 50 pounds, plus all the other stuff he got, which was a lot as well, and he made this kind of like, think of it like a vest. like You know, like a vest. And he makes it out of gold. And, you know, it doesn't tell us why he made the ephod. Some people think it was just like the high priest. It was kind of doing his own thing that way, and maybe, maybe it was just a memorial of his victory. That could have been either way. But... I want you to notice this. What the Midianites could not do with their swords, Satan accomplished through earrings. You notice they were starting to worship this now. And it reminds us of that story of you know, Aaron and Moses. Remember, Moses went up the mountain to get the law, and then the people wanted to know where he was, and so they said, hey, we need to follow something. And Aaron said, okay, give us some gold, and we'll make something, and here's who followed you out. It's kind of the same kind of thing. It's just kind of sad that you know what swords couldn't do... The Satan uses for earrings. It takes this gold and makes this this thing. And people started going, "How awesome you are! How awesome you know this victory was!" And they start worshiping it and turning away from the Lord. And you know, remember, remember, he was the guy that overthrew his dad's altar, and now you know he's building one of his own. And the last thing is, Gideon had seventy sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. How many wives do you think you have to have to have 70 sons? That's not counting the daughters, right? You know, if it was 50% guys and 50% girls, that means he had 140 kids. How many wives did he have to have 70 sons, not counting the women? So again, quite a bit. So he doesn't really want the title of a king, but he's got the wealth of the king. He's got the power of a king. And he's got the harem of a king, right? It's pretty sad. But he died at a good old age. And um, then it says, So it was when Gideon was dead, the children of Israel played their harlots with their bowels, and they went back and served other gods. And thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who delivered them from their hands of all their enemies, nor did they show kindness to Jeroboam, that is Gideon, in accordance with what he had done for Israel." We'll talk about Abimelech, his son, next time. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for these reminders, Lord. And, you know, thinking of Gideon and all that, um, you know, that he started out so well and did so well. And, boy, it's just the victory and the times of peace and prosperity were a far bigger challenge than 135 warriors. Um, Lord, it's always good for us to remember that as well, Father. The enemy, you know, if he can't come at us straight on and attack us, then he'll slowly chip away at at a lot of other things, Lord. And may we always be on our guard, Father. May we always be up, Father, to follow you in faith as Gideon did as well, though. We need to be those that trust you even through impossible odds, Lord. We want to learn that important lesson as well, Father, because you're a great and awesome God and you love us. Bless these things, Father, into our lives, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May the Lord bless you guys.